0: and welcome to the Energetic Principles podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFerra, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 112th episode of the podcast, airing April 5th, 2021. Now I'm pleased to present to you my discussion with astrologer and activist, Alyssa Osorio, who will join me for a conversation on levity in astrology. Now, Alyssa and I chat about her upcoming talk on the sixth house for our Astrology of Awakening 2 summit, and how that house in particular can get a bad rap by traditional standards. We both share our thoughts on the so called placement of quote unquote bad fortune, uh, while also segueing the conversation to take on the topic of introducing more levity in astrology. Now, Alyssa shares their experiences of the varying fun forms astrology can take when given a playful informal setting, like uh, her happy hour called Drunk Astrology, and also how you can use horary to ask the most mundane questions, such as where did that bug come from? And we also chat on how taking uh, the existential weight to introduce lightness in astrology can still be informative and rich in your practice. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my website at energeticprinciples.com. Now, of course, there is still time to sign up for the Astrology of Awakening 2 Summit, which will be airing live April 15th through the 18th. And I will be co-hosting and speaking at this fine event, along with Alyssa and my previous podcast guests, Dr. Jen Zart, Taylor Ursula, Rachel Lang, and many more fabulous female astrologers. And it will be free to watch live, and you'll have access to the 24-hours replays. Now, you can also purchase the all access pass that gives you uh, access because that's what it is. It's all access to the videos uh, so that you can watch them forever and all the amazing and varied bonuses that the presenters are going to be sharing with their talks. Now, the pass is still available at a discounted rate that will only be in place until the start of the summit. So if you are interested in taking in all it has to offer, now is the time. But in any event, it will be free to watch live. And we are currently having a presenter contest to see how many people will join us. So if you want to support uh, me in this uh, endeavor, you can go to my special link in the description of this podcast for you to register, or you can go to my website at energeticprinciples.com or my Instagram bio page at Energetic Principles, and the link will be there for you to click on. So come on down and register uh, and support all us ladies in the process, and really spread the good word to anyone who may be interested in attending. So all right, who's ready to hear all about the sixth house, the necessity of levity, and a crazy palmetto bug? Here we go. Now let's meet our guests. All right. I am so happy to welcome to the program. We have Alyssa Osorio with us here today. Thanks for joining me, Alyssa. Yes. I'm so, so excited to be here. Yay! And so, uh, I'm excited uh to host you on the podcast because you were one of the special picks that we uh that are, came as an additional speaker to the Astrology of Awakening to Summit that we're going to be hosting April 15th through 18th. Um and it's going to be a great live 4-day summit. You probably heard me talking about it already, and if you haven't, you maybe you live under a rock, but uh <laughs> No, Um, but I'm excited because I've been doing speaker series with some of the amazing talent that we have on board. Uh, And I'm so glad that we picked you through, uh, you know, some of the, we had so many fabulous applicants. It was really hard, Um, but I'm excited for the topic you're going to bring to the table. But before we even get in there and I pick your brain on what you're going to be presenting, uh, will you tell the
1: listeners a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what you do, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Alyssa Osorio. I run Praxis Astrology and I am a former unionizer, a union organizer, and I've been doing movement work since I was 16 years old. And I fell into astrology in 2016 and started my professional practice because people demanded it. I'm sure like you've had the experience of like someone kind of like being like, oh, like, oh, you're an astrologer. And then everyone at the party converges on. Oh, you. Oh yeah. you it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> oh, tell me more. <laughs> tell me about yeah. myself. <laughs> and so after a couple of ruins birthday parties, I figured that it was wise to start letting people book with me instead of having people talk to me in person. And I focus on locational astrology and I host an astrology. It's, I call it a happy hour, but it is a happy, long couple of hours <laughs> of um, astrologers, professional astrologers doing PowerPoint presentations. I call it drunk astrology. I also have a BA in political science and gender studies with a focus on social movement theory, which I incorporate into my astrological work. And yeah, I, I, I'm in a couple different places, but I really focus on the intersection of activism and astrology. Yay. Good. We
0: need more of you out there, uh, because, you know, uh, we need people that are willing to stand up, speak, uh, uh, you know, for other people, um, because not everybody's willing to do that or can, some people just don't have like the, the oomph for the focus within themselves. And so, you know, bless those that do. And you say you've been doing that since about 16, since, uh, part of like movements and, um, activism and such.
1: Yeah. I was 16 years old. I had like run for student council and I thought I'd just be planning like the school dances and stuff. And then the tea party in my town announced that they wanted to stop paying taxes to my high school. And so, you know, as a high schooler does, I went to the board of ed. I was like, you know, I like my high school. I don't want, I don't want us to be split up. And they said to me, like, you don't vote. So why do you have, why do you think you have a say? And that is the worst thing that you can tell a rebellious teenager.
0: Oh yeah. you're. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, you just motivated me so much.
1: <laughs> right. And so all of the kids in my small, my tiny, small upstate New York town, Um, were kind of up in arms and encouraged their parents to vote it down, parents in neighboring towns to vote it down. And that was like my first taste of just initiating social change by being pissed off about something.
0: Yeah, yeah. But by actually doing something, like being... uh, Because there's one thing to be... I mean... And we all find ourselves there. I think every human on this planet finds themselves there where you will be irked by something. Um, but what you then do about it or react, uh, and sometimes we don't have like the the will or the means or uh, things are can be totally out of our control. But when they are in our control and it just takes that effort and that motivation and kind of that cardinal, that cardinal energy, it really, you know, cardinal is going to come in and... Um, it makes me think of Michael Jackson, you better be starting something, you know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you starting something basically, <laughs> or at least, uh, replying to something that's been started. So, uh, you know, kudos. And so do you have any particular, um, places of activism that you're particularly interested in, or, uh, does that vary depending on the day and age, you know?
1: So I've, when I was in college, I was doing a lot of like anti-student debt organizing, mm, you know, mm. organizing against gender violence, doing feminist organizing, queer organizing. And then I graduated, I started deeply researching astrology. I went to the Cornell Labor Institute for a summer to learn how to do research, like labor union research. And I have Mercury and Pluto in aspect. (laughs) And so I kind of love like doing the weirdo financial report stuff about like companies that are mistreating their workers. And so I immediately after college kind of went into labor union organizing and having workers stand up against bosses who are committing wage theft, not paying them fairly, you know, like fighting more for healthcare. And so astrology right now has been my place of recovery from the way movement work can like really jangle your nerves because being in conflict all the time was where I wanted to be. But I realized, you know, that I was having issues with turning the movement button off and I was working 12 hour days and, you know, really running myself ragged because I cared so deeply about social justice, but astrology has taught me that you can have both. You can heal and you can fight. No, I love that. I
0: love that. Well, it, it's hard because when you're really passionate about something, uh, and especially when you're working with the idea of justness, fairness, equality, if the job's not done yet, and the job will never be done because once the the once the once scale gets to an even, something's just going to tip it again, it can be a relentless pursuit because uh, balance to some extent is a relentless pursuit because it takes so much energy. It makes me think of yoga and like tree pose or something, you know, where you're like, Oh my God, if I move one other way, you know, like it, it's, you ha- there's just so much that's put into it. So, um, I think those are wise words, uh, from obvious experience <laughs> of like uh, the potential to burn out, um, for a good cause, you know? Um, because at the end of the day, we're people and we need to be in balance ourselves and other in order to serve in the way and show up the way you uh, intend to. So I I love that. Well, that makes me think, okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your talk for the summit because when I think about maybe working uh, and like, you know, well, I'm not even gonna say. So tell people about uh, what you're gonna be speaking on um, at the summit and yeah, I'm excited
1: about this. (laughs) So I'm going to be speaking on the sixth house as a site of solidarity and I am going to be kind of delineating, I think, in the Hellenistic tradition, they call the Sixth House the house of bad fortune. And in my astrology practice and incorporating more traditional techniques, I've seen folks just repeat what <laughs> the ancients have said about the Sixth House without having um, their own experiences or their own analyses influence those interpretations and so I'm taking that interpretation of the sixth house and placing it in the modern world and having it facilitate a different analysis of power and so I'm really excited to present on this one. (laughs)
0: Yes. Uh, and well, I think a lot of people are anybody that has six house planets, you know, when you hear it, you're like wow, fortune, it's a, a house of slaves. They're like, what? <laughs> uh, and you know, and then back then, maybe that was the case to some extent, because there were these total different social roles than what we live today. And we always have to take that into account when we're working with uh, ancient, uh, you know, traditional astrology, because it was written and, and, in a time that is totally different than from the time that we live in today. So you have to rearrange and rework things, um, and maybe take some of the fatalistic, uh, stuff out of it. And I think, uh, you have a lot of, uh, six house placements, right? As you're speaking from, um,
1: that I right? am from, speaking from deep experience. Deep. Okay. And so last year was a sixth house perfection year. I had my Saturn, return in that sixth house. Mm. I have, oh my God, I have Saturn. I have Uranus. I have Neptune. I have Mercury, you know, like my, my sixth house is packed. Um, and I also just, I feel like the house has revealed to me so much joy and pleasure that could be felt in my body. Mm. You know, moving from the fifth house of like love and sex and, you know, going into the sixth house of like reclaiming your body and having body autonomy and then going into the seventh of relationships and being relational from that place. Mm. I think when we look at the whole chart as a wheel to be integrated and played with and maneuvered, it gives us a, a better vantage point of this one place that seems super scary sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, I, li- I like that a lot. Um, and I think anybody out there with sixth house placements does as well because it is not. <laughs> um, I feel like people with sixth house energy just has have so much technique um, and, and just skill in, in general and whatever they put themselves into, um, because there's, there is a wholeheartedness, you know, if, if there's like this kind of authenticity of the creative self that kind of comes out through the fifth, there is this like production value that comes out of the sixth from whatever is found in the fifth. And it makes me go back to what you were just talking about where your passion, uh, mer- putting that mercury Pluto, uh, I'm assuming sextile to work, um, and cataloging like the, mm-hmm. You know, all the, the financial data for the the work, you know, like if that's not Capricorn, <laughs> first of all, if that's not Capricorn, um, but but also the sixth house with that and working with all the details and the bits and pieces um, and what really, uh, you know, makes a fine craftsperson or artisan, um, you know, all that. Uh, if is found to me in in that area, and so yeah, maybe maybe at times you could be a slave to your to your own work if you're passionate about it, right? And uh, anybody that's passionate about what they do, we all fall into that. But um, I'm really excited uh, to hear your angle for for
1: this talk because
0: I think it's one that needs to be shared.
1: <laughs> yes, and I think my favorite thing about six houses is that they practice behind the scenes a lot. And so they'll be doing something for like months or even years. And then they come out with this like very specific thing that they've worked on. Mm. And you're like, how the hell did you do this? And they're just like, oh yeah, I I didn't talk about it, but like, I've been working on this for a while and it's like a beautiful, well-crafted, like workshop or project or something and you're just like blown away by them and sometimes people are like oh like how did you just come out with this it looks so easy and behind the scenes this six houser has been like just carefully plotting through every little detail you need to make something perfect
0: it will Yes. Yes. So all that, because I always like to think of like the 10th house and the 6th house. So obviously we kind of put them in, uh, you know, kind of professional or, or work oriented situations. Um, uh, as the iceberg of success. You know, when we think of the 10th house, we see, uh, that tip of the iceberg, we see like what's out there in the world, you know, all the, the accolades that might go with it, but no one sees the sixth house. It's all below. That's like, Oh, I stopped and started this. How many times I had to perfect this. I had to do all this, uh, you know, this backstory work. And like you're saying this behind the scenes type of energy to get to that tip of the iceberg. I had to fail a few times in order to find what was going to work perfectly, um, to have this, uh, you know, kind of perfected piece or, uh, approach. Um, and so there are an infinite amount of things that go on underneath the iceberg that we can't see, uh, that pinnacle of like the tip of the 10th is just like, you know, a small working of it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, all right.
1: Well, when is your talk? So my talk is Friday, April 16th. It is 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. And I am very impressed with myself that I got that time map right because I uh, have been, I just moved to the West Coast. And so I have been realizing that the conversions between all of the coasts throw me off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you get used to it over time speaking as an East to wester myself, <laughs> but even sometimes I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I have to do that. That quick math. And then you, you bring in overseas, forget about it. I'm like, and then all the time zone changes and you're like, how is Phoenix on the same time as, uh, I don't know. Um, time, I guess that's another Capricorn issue. <laughs> uh, well, now, okay, so you're going to be doing uh, this fabulous talk on the sixth house. Now, the, the the extra part of this summit is the fact that we have, if you get the all-access pass, there are bonuses from all the presenters. So, Alyssa, what is your bonus that you're going to share on, for the
1: summit? It is the sixth house <laughs> uncensored. And so thinking about the sixth house... Not as the bad fortune, but as the naughty fortune. Oh, Um, (laughs) (laughs) you tell. And think just, you know, as I was talking before about like thinking about the sixth house between the fifth and the seventh, what does body autonomy mean? And I think, as, you know, as people who aren't cis men, We're taught during sex and other, you know, like other activities. I haven't, I've heard from so many people about like trying to look hot Mm. and holding in your stomach, maybe doing a position that doesn't feel good but looks good. You know, what does that mean in a six house year or a six house transit when sometimes we're asked to? become more in our bodies and let our bodies be bodies Mm. that, you know, we have to kind of like let pleasure and sensuality in, or let our bodies speak to us if our bodies want solitude and things like that. And so I think it's a part of like unlearning that our bodies have to be a certain way, especially in the sixth house. Yeah, I love that. Speaking as someone who's in a sixth
0: house perfection year myself, um, (laughs) it really speaks to a few um, behind the scenes topics that I've been going through in my own life. And I've seen it with uh, some of my peers around me, some of my same age group, Uh, like a good friend of mine came over yesterday, just entered uh, his sixth house perfection year, maybe like a month or so ago, we're both, we both are going through teeth problems, but that's a whole nother thing. You know, the, the health issues catches up with you. Everyone go to the dentist regularly. Um, but, uh, he was just talking about like everything in his body just hurts and like the movement. And then I was just thinking about like all the connection. And it's not just like this physical space. It's this emotional space this kind of carrying how you carry yourself. What's like all up in that too. And so it's, it's not, if there's more factors at play, like even using the example of like, um, and maybe in a more sensual situation, uh, like holding yourself, some way like it is a physical expression, but it's also like a, an emotional and a, a vulnerable and like a more you know this it's a it there's many things combined within that and so um I feel like this year I have definitely felt more in my uh my vessel um and and feeling more at home in that, um, and accepting it for what it is too. Cause I think, um, uh, my big lesson is that like, as you age, you know, that looks different. Um, and, and what you, you know, how you approach being, uh, in your, in your body. Um, and, And what do you find pleasurable? And like you know, like all that changes too over time. And so those are it's a good point with just sixth house in general, but sixth house perfection years. If you happen uh, to be in one, which would be if you are uh, five. Well, I don't know what's going on when you're five. Um, When you're seventeen, which is an awkward age. Uh, Twenty-nine, which is always when we talk about those um, Saturn return moments. Uh, Forty-one, like myself here uh, 53, uh, 65, you keep doing the math as we go up there. But, um, yeah. So if you just happen to be in one of those years, maybe think about
1: some of the things we're saying here. Um. Yeah. And our bodies is like, I know for my six house perfection year, it was napping. Like I was, I felt so much, it sounds so silly, but I felt so much shame over taking a nap because I had goals on like being productive during the day, you know, like it, it was really weird to see how I thought my body was something to master rather than something to listen to. Mm. That's not a piece of advice. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, that's interesting. Back to that sixth house energy, because there is, uh, we brought it before, that sense of mastery that can come out of it. Um, And if you're trying to relentlessly do that, and, and mastery sometimes is, and that sometimes, a lot of times is listening because if you're not listening, then how are you going to master its ultimate um, performance level uh, if you're forcing something or, you know, feel um, obligated uh, in some way. So, yeah, sixth house lessons. <laughs> Well, that being said, so uh, once again, if you want to come and check out Alyssa's talk, we're looking at Saturday the 16th at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. If you're anywhere else, you're going to do that math. Um, and if you want that fabulous all uh, access pass that gets all these bonuses, because man, as I talk to each person, there's so many intriguing things that are being offered for this summit uh, and all over the board. It's like runs the gamut. It's not like it all, like, focalizes into one, you know, uh, point of interest. No, it is all over the place, which is awesome. Um, but I don't even think I said why, what we're talking (laughs) on here today. Like usually I introduced that right in the podcast, uh, beginning, but I think here we are like 20 minutes in or so. (laughs) Uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, levity in astrology, which was a topic that Alyssa brought to, um, the forefront, uh, from your, uh, drunk astrology, uh, um, program, right. You kind of interacted with that more, uh, doing the drunk astrology. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, So this presentation, the six house presentation came out of somewhat of a rough draft um, that I had done at Drunk Astrology. And so I started Drunk Astrology after seeing a tweet where a group of women were having a party where everyone was drunk and doing PowerPoint presentations and... (laughs) I retweeted it and a whole bunch of astrologers said what they'd present and kind of the rest is history. Mm. And so I organized the first event and I thought it would be 10 to 20 people. And then 86 people were in and out of the Zoom room and it was immensely popular with no promotion. I literally didn't even do an Instagram post And so I also thought the presentations would be short and sweet. And I put a 15 minute time limit on everyone and realized that time means nothing when you're faded. (laughs) (laughs) But then that's the truth. (laughs) And so I've stuck with some of the initial rules of it's like happy hours. I don't even know. Some people call it a conference. Like it's like literally like, Astral, like very intelligent and brilliant astrologers doing PowerPoint presentations one after the other on like things that they're super nerdy about. And so the initial rule of like 15 minute minutes went out of the window, (laughs) but I do, I don't record because it's a place where we let go. We have fun and I want to keep the container small and so these presentations are allowed to be first drafts of a bigger project or some relief from the expectation of being professional mm. all the time. And so every drunk astrology has been majority people of color, and it's been like queer and trans people of color centered. And at the, sen- at the second one, we've realized that we had a majority, if not all, non-cisgender roster which is unheard of with other astrology events at that scale and so it was like a really you know when I think of the astrology of awakening summit and how its purpose is to like empower women astrologers I was like really on board and wanted to present because I was like this is good vibes, you know, like we're, we're challenging, I think astrological institutions that have like a very rigid definition of who should be presenting and who can present and what accolades you need to have to present. And so some of my favorite presentations at the drunk astrology happy hours have been charm torres on the astrology of bts which is a k-pop boy band that has a contingent of fans that call themselves army i didn't know anything about them um stevie anderson from what's your sign podcast and crystal lee doing a joint presentation on the astrology of 90 day fiance where they actually (laughs) reached out to contestants And clarified some astro gray areas regarding the sign boundaries, which (laughs) it was really neat. And people, people loved it so much that someone Googled me and found like one of my old work emails and was like, you need to talk about this guy the next time. I don't really know much about 90 Day Fiance, but people really loved it. I've never
0: heard of it, but I just the title, I feel like I know what's happening. Is this a
1: Netflix show or is it something along or like? Yeah, a- it's like a. it's I want to say it's on TLC or it's like a reality show where the people are like fiancés for 90 days and then they get married right after. It's like a very short amount of time. And so like the reality show journey is like documenting all the drama.
0: <laughs> Do they <laughs> know was, each other before getting engaged? Is it one of those weird ones where they're like, they pair or are these like real couples that have been
1: together for? I think they meet each other. I don't know if they they're not allowed to talk, but a lot of the couple's, seem to be from different places. Mm. And so they like meet at the airport sometimes and then they're like, oh, this is the first time I'm seeing you. But I think sometimes they talk before.
0: Yeah, so there's, because- reality TV tends to throw us those curveballs, right? <laughs> of like, cause that's what, cause that's reality. Right. You know? Um, but I can see how that would be a fascinating uh, thing to break down astrologically, especially after a few drinks.
1: <laughs> right. And so like, you know, um, Amelia Earhart did the astrology of Star Trek where they classified the different <laughs> kinds of alien races throughout the signs. And You know, like I haven't watched Star Trek since I was like seven, but I remembered a lot of them. And I was just like, whoa. (laughs) Um, And then there was like one presentation by this astrologer named Aria, who goes by Adonia Sarkana on Twitter. And she did this like amazing presentation on the astrology of skincare that went through the temperaments and the moon phases. And it was brilliant and also completely over my head.
0: I want to, I, I've been obsessed with skincare recently. This could also be a six house perfection thing <laughs> that is happening. Um, and I, oh man. So now I know it's not recorded. So I'll never get
1: to see. So what has been cool about this is like, since it is unrecorded, people will release stuff kind of like in their own time afterwards. They'll like release the slides sometimes, sometimes they'll make a YouTube video and I know. Aria has a promise because the, the whole crowd was like, I need this. I <laughs> um, need that. Aria, yeah. come on.
0: This is this is a call.
1: <laughs> yeah, they promised like, you know, that they were going to do a YouTube video. So we're not out of luck. And the same went for my six house presentation at Drunk Astrology was like, it was a very uncensored Um and when i had posted it to my twitter there were a whole bunch of people who were like what do you mean you don't record these how could you how dare you <laughs> and i was like well i you know like this is kind of unfinished i want to shop this around because i've been doing research on this for a while and that's that's the kind of important thing about these drunk astrology presentations is you would think it's like From the name of it, you might think it's like um, astrology that is kind of maybe not well-researched, but all of these presentations have been using like deep technique. Mm -hmm. These astrologers are incredibly skilled. And, you know, it has been really nice to just kind of like shine in each other's brilliance while also doing the kinds of astrology that we can incorporate into our day-to-day lives. You know, this is me speaking as a six-houser. It's like, you know, sometimes we don't need to answer the what is my life about questions. Sometimes, you know, there was one astrologer, EY Washington, who was a part of Mercury's Brood, which is like a, a queer and trans POC um, anthology that just surpassed like huge fundraising goals in the astrological community. Um, he did the astrology of oral sex and the astrology of bottoming, which was hilarious, (laughs) you know, like, and these are the kinds of things that we do like to talk about behind the scenes is like, you know, asking these questions of like, you know, what are you putting on the Venus altar today? Or without giving these extreme delineations, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I would love to hear that presentation <laughs> as well. Um well, because this is this is kind of what which leads us into the like the idea of levity in astrology, because there are varying shades of astrology um within what we think astrology uh does, what we might expect the, you know, what level we hold it to, um, what we're bringing to a consultation space. Uh, and because astrology, a lot of times, I mean, most times it's, it's weird. It's almost like two extremes, either. It's like extreme depth, kind of like these big questions that you're talking about. Like, what is this? Why am I here? You know, these existential, like, uh, you know, like stars tell me sometimes like what I, I like Christopher Renstrom likes to call trash astrology, <laughs> um, with like the, the, very basic, like the, and what's left in the middle, um, of that. Uh, and when I think of levity is like, levity is like, how can we, in my mind, how can we have fun with it? um, in a way that we can see kind of like what you were just saying, like astrology in all areas of our, our of our mundane life or mundane interests, like watching, you know, 90 day fiance or, or something like, <laughs> like that. And so, um, I guess, I mean, in, in your mind is like, where does levity fit in within that? And why do, why do we need it so, so much? <laughs> I think,
1: so I feel like we need levity because it helps us learn. So, I mean, I I feel that divide, right, between, you know, there's some people who, like, you know, are upfront about not being astrologers but doing astrology writing, right, and that creates, in my mind, some, like, ethical concerns, because to me, like in a consultation setting, astrology is an incredibly vulnerable place to go. And so using the craft and being a representative of the craft, you need some responsibility and you need to understand that you're talking to someone who thinks you're an expert in something. And On the other hand, we get these like very intense gatekeepers. That's, you know, I I don't want to sugarcoat it. We have gatekeepers in astrology who feel like astrology is only this like intense craft where you have to study for 15 years with the right people and I don't even want to get into like the way people fight over, (laughs) you know, what kind of houses we use, what kinds of, you know, the modern versus traditional debate. So it's like, there's a middle and also, you know, I, I, I love it. You know, it, I love the technical language. It feels like a secret code and like, Mm. You know, learning the difference between green bomb and Frawley's, I'll mute in calculations and seeing which one works <laughs> and learning horary and electional and just being a nerd. I, I love learning more. And so I'm not interested in the corporate astrology that cuts it into cookie cutter pieces digestible to a wide population um, you know, my astrology is black. My astrology is queer. My astrology has nuance and loves wading into complicated and difficult waters. And so I think we can hold, you know, that being an intellectual is not oppositional to having fun. Yeah. I,
0: oh, amen to that. Uh, because Well, and I, I really resonate with that personally in my own practice because I, you know, because it, it's always interesting who comes to you to be consulted and with what questions. Um, and of course now I'm just speaking in a consultation space rather than, because there's many different places we can just to share astrology and it's varying depths. Um, but when, when we're talking about the consultation space, uh, and a great point you brought up is the responsibility within that, because it can be very vulnerable and it is because when you are looked at as an expert in something, your words hold great weight. Uh, and that is a responsibility that is to be taken seriously. Uh, and I tend to get a lot of times, I get a lot of people that I don't really get relationship stuff. I get like, what, what am I here to do? What's my spirit? Like, I am that person. It could be the sun, moon, Pluto, T-square. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but part of the way that I navigate that um, is it does have that gatekeeper feel to it a little bit, like a shamanic, like, come come in, let's talk about this. But I love to bring some levity to it. Personally, because um, within that is like t- actually taking that depth and, and having that depth question, um, but also t- but it ha- breaking it down in a real digestive and light pieces rather than well, let's twist this around and look at it. Let's take some of the pressure. I mean, actually, this is what I talked about uh, at the purpose um, the uh, the last summit we did back in uh, August with uh, Power and Purpose. I, I talked about. Um, the, you know, your why's and taking the pressure off these like bigger existential questions that we have and how your purpose can, can change over time. Um, and there can be like, it, it doesn't have to be this weighty thing. And that's where we bring levity into it and have fun with it. Because you know, in my mind, we are here to have fun on, on this planet to some extent and, and how we view it, how we come at it, uh, where our minds at with it, um, Will really dictate if we if we do that or not. I guess as a roundabout, but maybe you know
1: where I'm going with this, right? And it takes the pressure off, right? I remember speaking about how the Capricorn glyph looks like the face down ass up one, and it's helped a couple of people draw it. <laughs> it's the hardest glyph to draw. It is, yeah. And I remember when I first started learning horary, I learned it. From Sam Reynolds, and he really encouraged us not to force it. And so, my first horaries were about a pimple and a scary bug. <laughs> and <laughs> my classmates actually got a lot out of looking at the directions of the planets to find the bug. And, you know, not everything needs to be so like, when will I get married? When will I buy a new home. And like me and a couple of astrologers were joking that like someone should be casting horaries for the Mari show to determine who's the father, you know, like we can, <laughs> we can really have fun. And I also think like levity also allows for greater vulnerability. And so in drunk astrology, we don't punch down in that space. And when there's issues it's accounted for. So you know, one astrologer presenting used language that was outdated and hurtful and the person wasn't punished. They apologized and we kept it moving. And I feel like levity allows us to regenerate when they're, you know, like when we're learning, because like, we are going to make mistakes. And I think when we make mistakes and we come to it, from a place of guilt or a place of being like, what the hell is wrong with me? Then it's a lot harder to get out of shame where if we're approaching it from like levity and we're approaching it from like, oh, like we're going to make mistakes. Like this astrology thing is so silly and so complicated. We can kind of like talk to ourselves in a nicer way. And I also feel like it helps us get out of those shame places or that like comparison place easy, easily. And in a way that, you know, you're not spending so much time there.
0: Ah, yes, yes, absolutely. And I think I, well, that, that's important because it's like, it, depending no matter where, what, you know, where you are anywhere in the world, like how serious, Are you taking it? How serious do you take yourself? How serious are you going to take someone else? Uh, And that's when you're really going to have problems because if everything's just so serious uh, and so like you know rigid in some ways, then life is going to be stressful. Life is going to be, have shame to it. Life is going to point fingers. There's going to be blame. Like the only way to move through something is to really just lighten up um, and be able to, uh, you know, like when I think of levity, we think of air, we think of breezing, we think of space, We, you know, like, um, and it also makes me think of levity just in general with dealing with uh, difficult aspects, you know, in, in your chart. Um, or, you know, even by the transits that just happen to be going on, but especially in your chart, because how many times you see something in someone's chart or in your own chart <laughs> where you're like, whew, that's a doozy. Um, but there's always levity there. Like, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to delineate it from a point where um, too much where it's like, okay, well, you know, we, we want to give it some seriousness because there can be things that are very um, heavy that come out of certain planetary configurations. But how do we turn that around so it doesn't, in, uh, you know, encompass us completely and it's seriousness or it's, um, you know, it's, uh, I wanted to say unfortunate depth, <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and bring levity to it there too, because that's, that's usually my, and I don't want to call it like sugarcoating or, you know, cause sometimes I tend to do that maybe in consultation, uh, where if someone's working with something difficult, I try to lighten it up by sugarcoating it in another way. And I don't think that's necessarily, um, a a bad thing to do. It's just like, I want to reframe how you might look at this or how you can repurpose its power or not let it, um, get you down so much, especially if it could be more of like a depressive tendency or, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's another place that levity is very important when dealing with, you know, some less than desirable placements that we all have somewhere. But, you know, no one has a perfect quote unquote chart.
1: No one has a perfect chart. No one has like, you know, if you're doing elections for something, you're never going to find an election where like everyone's in their domicile and, you know, it's, It's really interesting that you brought up like like the kind of like some serious aspects or some serious transits coming up. I've been through my fair share of Pluto transits. Mm, (laughs) And, you know, there's in a consultation setting, I feel like having an amalgamation of emotions for it, um, especially when we see some of the like more... You know, like like when we see something concerning, right? For me, I ask people, I'm like, how have you been experiencing this? And sometimes the person wants me to hold space. And sometimes, you know, I give my clients the option of redirecting me when something gets too deep, which I think has been really helpful because sometimes I feel like, we, as astrologers, feel like it's our responsibility to, like, open up, you know, rip off the Band-Aid, mm-hmm. right? And that person only has an hour with us. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't want a client feeling exposed and then not knowing what to do afterwards. Yes. <laughs> you know, being like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And so I, and this is also the sixth house house are speaking, I love make, being like, what are you doing after this consultation? Have you eaten today? Like, do you want to talk about this? Do, do you have space to talk about this? Because like, I am willing to go places to the best of my ability, right? Like everyone knows that I'm not a psychologist. But if someone wants to talk to me, I'll talk to them. Um, and, but I want to make sure that the reading isn't, disorienting and also not dismissive right because mm-hmm. if we go too far into the place of levity and we're laughing at everything then someone can feel really invisible
0: you know yeah yeah cuz uh, well and that it, and that's interesting because once again we're coming back to this issue of balance um uh, you know because if it's too light as you just pointed out, um, you know, it can take away from the depth that people are probably looking to have a little bit taken away from, especially in the consultation setting. And I know there's so many ways to use astrology and we're kind of focusing on consultations, but um, we do a lot of consultation work. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it's just part of the, um, everybody should be getting consultations in my mind because that's kind of the, that's the beauty of, of the craft. Um, but yeah, so it comes back to that balance of, uh, of having the lightness, but also reaching some point uh, of depth. Um, cause I think depth brings us clarity, but if there's too much depth, as you pointed out, which is so true, um, then we could fall down a hole and not know how to quite lift ourselves out of that. If all of a sudden, then, then you're gone you know, the call ends and then now I'm sitting with this, um, very heavy, you know, uh, and depending on what that might be, that, that could be a lot to, to work through. So finding, uh, that, that balance. Um, so I guess they can definitely coexist together and they, I feel like they should coexist together. It shouldn't be heavy on one side or, or the other. Um, but how about that? in like maybe the social media space or social setting, what do you think about, uh, I mean, every astrologer has
1: their own uh, style, um, but. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So I, I mean, I love joking around on social media. I I feel like, so there's an astrologer, Adina Herzl, and she describes me as Saturn, but like party Saturn. Party Saturn. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> And so, you know, when when me and my classmates did that bug horary, I posted it to social media and I was like, we're going to delineate this horary on this bug, this intrusive bug that showed up in my bathroom. And like, we were we were laughing our asses off because it's like the bug was in the 7th house, which is the house of enemies. enemies. <laughs> Enemy bug in the 7th house. And You know, like, oh, one time I had (laughs) compared the charts of Mariah Carey and Winnie the Pooh to see, like, their connections to Honey. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I just think, like, social media is a place where I really enjoy, you know, like... (laughs) Like, refining the technique, too, because I feel like there's so many brilliant astrologers who are just, like, floating around who, you know, want to take a break from thinking, you know, like, we're all reading these, like, really intense books, right? You know, Um you Know that wants to take a break and think about like Winnie the Pooh and you know, Mori Horaries and all those things. The
0: Morary amazing thing of the Morary. That's <laughs> that's really fun. I want to hear more about this bug. Um, did, did it just like appear and then it like disappeared and you're wondering where it was, or like what was the what was the horary? Uh, like what was the question of the Horary?
1: So, the Horary was expletive filled when I first cast it, but (laughs) essentially it was, where did this bug come from? So I had seen, so I had lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for a year and I had seen this gigantic and I'm super, super, super clean. I had seen this gigantic cockroach in my bathroom and was it a
0: palmetto bug? Like it was, it was a like, palmetto bug. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to live in South Carolina. I, those are, they're huge.
1: <laughs> they're huge. It was frightening. And so looking at this horror enemy bug in the seventh house, there was a lot of Scorpio in the chart. And <laughs> the bug was in Aries. It was when Mars did its six month stint. In oh Aries. yes. Oh. I'm <sighs> trying to forget that. And so what I was able to do was after seeing this bug and losing my mind and disposing of it and all these things was... So you killed the bug. I killed the bug. But since the horror was where did this bug come from, I was able to use the directions of Mm. the different sign significations And was able to use the kind of, like, classical terminology of Scorpio, um, where, like, I don't use male and uh, female for the (laughs) signs. I feel like that's, like, so outdated. And so I use, like, inhale and exhale Mm. to talk about those energies. And so I saw that, like, Scorpio was an inhale, an inhale sign. And so I was like, okay, so it didn't come out of the drain pipe. The bug came out of the drain catch. And so I taped I taped up the drain catch and I hadn't seen that palmetto bug since. And so it worked. The horror worked. <laughs> the Scorpio, that made me laugh. <laughs> the this- Scorpio. Uh
0: plus cuz you killed it too. Um just thinking about the yeah. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to now I'm going if I see if I see a bug, I'm I'm so the opposite. I'm like just friendly to everything. I actually saved a cockroach. I remember um in my old workplace and everybody thought I was crazy and I was like I was like I know we don't we all don't like this bug. We all don't want it to be here but I'm not going to take its life. I'm going to capture it and I'm going to put it out where it wants to be. Like, this is me. I have like, I I know. I have this weird, like that could be the cancer speaking. I have this, uh, (laughs) I have this uh, idea that everything deserves to live and no matter what it is, I will save it and put it in its place um,
1: so that it's just not in my space. But, um, so that's kind of funny. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so I will do that with spiders. I think when the bug gets to, a certain plumpness, and a certain, <laughs> like, like those things are huge.
0: <laughs> they are. I don't know if anybody out there listening has seen a palmetto bug Google it. If you haven't, um, they are, they're intimidating. They're, uh, they're, they're king sides. They're math. They're massive. <laughs> yeah. But those are, like, not even, like, it's funny because they are so intimidating looking, Um, but they're not even, like, the gross one. Like, they're not, like, the, the gross infestation cockroaches or anything like that. They're just, like, they're just usually solo, big,
1: just too rainforesty. I I don't know.
0: <laughs> like, they're just not supposed to be in your bathroom, basically.
1: They're not supposed to be in my bathroom. I did another horror on a different bug uh, that was in my apartment, and... It was like a, uh, an annoying fly. I saw a whole bunch of flies. And the moon indicated, like the moon, lunar phase indicated the um, that it could be an infestation. And so I had to like clean my sink in a way where it was just like Drano and uh, stress. But yeah, these bug horrors have been... <laughs> I'm Wait. So y-
0: you said the phase indicated that it could be a. Um, and so, what, what what phase was happening?
1: Um, the moon was um, culminating, about to be a full moon, and mm. expose the expose the buggies. Yeah. And so, I I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and you know, like it's it's weird living. I mean. As someone who is like super clean, being in an apartment building where everyone else might not be mm. was not the best for me. I thankfully live in a place where I now control, have some control. But my my poor little Mercury was like hyper vigilant, like against the bug enemy.
0: The enemy, the seventh house. That's funny. That's like that's really funny to me. Um, yes, yeah. The open enemy. You saw the bug. It's all you.
1: Oh my didn't god! See you For long. <laughs> Imagine enemy bug in the twelfth house. Oh my god! And it,
0: well, that's kind of that was the original question of why I wanted to know more about this bug because I wanted to know if the horror area was like help me find this bug because maybe you saw the bug and the bug scurried away which then maybe we'd see the bug in the 12th house because at that point it was no longer you know it's hidden it's like you don't know um and so what it what would be the bug uh what uh, what house would be the the bug indicator for it would it just be the enemy no matter what what the seventh house
1: so i did uh a different horry on a spider that i wasn't afraid of um and so regular bugs are in the sixth house in my experience, and mm-hmm. enemy bugs are in the seventh. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was
0: like, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I am totally going to do. Um, you know, I don't pull horaries too often, uh, and I don't know why I don't. The only, the only time I tend to pull them is when I am looking for something, and I'm like, where is that book? Tends to be books a lot. Um, where did I put that book? Um, and now I'm going to, uh, luckily I don't encounter bugs too often, but, uh, maybe I'll do it with plant care. I wonder, yeah. cause I've been obsessed with plants, uh, as of late. Um, and you know, sometimes plants, they take a turn. Uh, and so it'd be interesting to pull a horary kind of based on, uh, you know, what can I do to maybe help this plant or heal this? I don't know. I have to think about the wording with that, but
1: yeah, I mean, you know, when I was learning horary, I was really going through it because I think for the first couple of weeks, I had no no horary come out of me, right? So I was like, you know, like I, I had no desire to cast them. I was like learning about it. I felt like everyone around me was casting these like horaries and learning about it. And so I felt really left out. And then the bug horary came, the pimple horary came. And so... You know, like with healing plants, you know, it reminds me of my pimple hoary because what it indicated is that I needed a water softener. And so there's so oh. many, yeah. And so there's so many things that, you know, hoarys can indicate if you're like looking at, you know, the condition of the water, or, or like maybe they need to be fed, maybe they need to have sunlight. I saw this really funny tweet where someone pulled a tarot card for their plant and got the sun. And so they put the plant out in the sun. The sun
0: yeah. It needs more, it needs more light. <laughs> uh, that's, oh, that's very interesting. Uh, and for some of you who might be listening and this whole time, you're like, what the hell is a horary?" Because I'm just, just dawning on me now that maybe not everyone knows what a horary is, but it's when you draw a, you ask a, question and space and time and you draw a chart for that moment when you ask that question. Um, and then you basically read the chart because horary is like a now chart. Um, and you read the chart to, you know, help answer your question, whether it is as light as, you know, inquiring about your pimple or as deep as to, when am I going to have a baby or when am I going to get married? You know, like you can have all different types of horaries basically. And it is a it's ancient practice has been around for quite some time. So I love the idea of like pulling these, um, these lighter questions, uh, around it. Cause astrology can answer so much, right? That's what we're getting out of this. It doesn't matter what level of depth it is. Um,
1: yes, I do recommend going to a professional for the deeper questions because horary can sometimes, um, end up like web MD for symptoms. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so it's better to go to someone who kind of knows the significations and kind of has experience with the different ways that they manifest because it's different than natal astrology. And reading a horary chart as a natal chart sometimes gets you in sticky situations. And so... Um, be careful if you're trying it out. But I think it's a fun way of doing astrology. Yeah.
0: Yes. I se- I second that advice because it's true. Depending on what you're asking, you know, <laughs> like the idea of the WebMD. Because um, a lot of times people ask actually ask horaries about health conditions. That's a very common uh, horary question. So if you do have something that is, is of a more serious nature, definitely consult uh, a professional uh, person who works with horary because you'd be surprised what can be drawn out of a horary chart by someone who really knows what they're doing, because it gets so specific to where, you know, uh, I I've learned quite a bit myself and I can definitely work my way around a horary chart, but you know, some practitioners out there, I'm just like, what the, how did uh, I just, you know, speechless. (laughs) So it is important. To, um, I know Nina Griffin's a great one for that. You know, we'll turn it all type, types of situations. You'd be like, well, and that's the thing too. But so I know we're like diverting to horary here a little bit, but it is a fascinating topic. Because um, uh, another thing too is like you can answer your your question, but you can also find solutions in varying um, uh, direction of possibility from that chart. That is like a question of a question, or like it has so many layers that horary can go um yeah
1: yeah and it's a fun way you know for me astrologers like behind the scenes like we're all practicing this stuff like I've definitely had like friends you know text me and be like I don't know where my laptop is can you look at this and I'm just like it's in the closet on the floor and then they find it and they're like it was on top of a box and I'm like oh, you know, the, I wasn't looking at like Gemini being like in this modality and, you know, it's, it's fun to practice with each other. Um, I think it's like something that, you know, when you go into like, like, I think sometimes we think of like astrologers as like oracles that are coming from the divine wisdom, but a lot of the ways we get experience is just like joking around with each other, going back to levity, of course, but just joking around with each other and like, you know, being like, I don't know where the hell this is. Oh my God. And then like five people are guessing and we're all just like, "Ah." and then like the person who gets it right is like, yes, you know, I did it. (laughs)
0: Well, it's so true because
1: you have to like experience it. Like you get some
0: hard, fast rules, um, which are not like the Oracle divining, right. You know, that is like, once again, back to the traditional approach, there are some, uh, very specific, you know, specific type of ways you can delineate things. Um, but because it's so specific, kind of like your example of like the laptop, you're like, you saw in the closet on the floor, maybe like, I don't know, some fourth house considerations <laughs> or like some, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But then adding in all the other factors, and so it takes all these questions that are probably not of a depth nature. Because of a depth nature, first of all, you're probably gonna have to wait some time to have that. Like if you're asking, like, when am I, you know, going to get married, or uh, will I, you know, heal from cancer? You know, I'm like getting like like bigger. Like you'd have to wait for quite some time, probably to, you know really get the feedback of that. But when you're asking these really simple questions, lost and found, bugs, (laughs) uh, pimples, you know, plants, we're going to see immediate results. And um, that's the nature of any type of learning is actually experience. And so we probably have to like dive into the more, you know, fun, lighter sides of life or like sixth house sides of life, I guess, you know, everyday considerations in order to really uh, hone in and learn the craft um, and get those little insights that you would not have gotten otherwise if you weren't interacting with the person and their lost laptop and like, you know, yeah. So there's a place. So we're learning that there's a definite place for levity
1: in practice, right? Right. And that levity doesn't have to mean frivolous because i think sometimes people discount levity as that but when we look through our you know our our own charts and we see mercury like mercury likes to play especially like you know mercury in the fire signs mercury in the fire signs loves to experiment mercury in the earth signs loves to like be grounded and also experiment in the ways of like seeing things manifest mercury in the air signs loves to experiment intellectually mercury in the water signs loves to play to generate connection and so you know when we when we look at our own charts we can see the ways that we can play to kind of like learn and also be in community. Mm,
0: I love that, right? Because I mean, astrology at the end of the day, it's a mercurial craft, uh, you know? So um, I think there is a lot to learn by just taking the lighter side of of things. Um, So if you are practicing, uh, which I know a lot of the listeners out there are practicing some form of astrology, whether they're professional or astrology enthusiasts, uh, have fun with that that light side, uh, and and see where see where it takes you. And I love diving into like like celebrity. Uh, well, not like all celebrity things, but I love diving into just like um, charts of the moment for something that's like like I did a when I was doing um, my Astro Story Time for a little bit on Patreon, I did a whole uh, uh, makeup on uh, the windy mattresses which were, which were, this happened in like, uh, I think it was in Colorado. They were doing like an outdoor um, theater uh event where they put, they blew up all these air mattresses so that people could lay down and watch the the movie on the projector outside. And this gust of wind just came out of nowhere and sent all the air mattresses. I mean, dozens of air mattresses just rocketing down the street and everybody's trying to catch them. And someone had on video and it was hilarious to me. And so of course I wanted to draw the chart and uh, delineate the chart for the moment of little windy mattresses and see what was going on there. So I guess this falls right into (laughs) the, the, levity uh, of that because um i don't know there's there's a lot to learn there and it's just it's just fascinating so i'm so glad that you brought up uh this topic for us to kind of just play around
1: with and and discuss yeah what were the mattresses signified in that chart
0: oh god i have to pull it up it's been some time um since I did that but I'll I'll find I'll find the chart and I'll send it to you and, yes. <laughs> and uh or I'll, I'll or maybe I'll send you the the link to the video so you can see the little segment on it because uh there were definitely air signs going on <laughs> at that time <laughs> um uh cuz weather astrology is fascinating to me too yeah. so I was taking into like uh weather considerations um I feel like there's some uranian action oh now I got to find out um update update on that later But windy mattresses. Um, All right. Well, Alyssa, tell people where they can find you, what you got going on. How do they partake in Drunk Astrology? Give us all all the details.
1: So right now, Drunk Astrology is planned for sometime in Taurus season. There's no signups right now. But if you're interested in signing up for it, I will announce it on my Twitter. My Twitter is at Praxis Astrology. Praxis is P-R-A-X-I-S. Um, My Instagram is at Praxis underscore astrology, and I write on Patreon. Um, I give little solar season updates along with reviews. I'm working on the astrology of the thong song, which will be (laughs) fun. Um, And you can find me at... Uh, Praxis Astrology on Pat- Patreon. Um, and if you just want to know more about me, praxisastrology.com. I'm open for consultations. You know, see, come see my talk at the Astrology of Awakening Summit, part two um, on the Sixth House. Again, it is going to be Friday, April 16th, um, 12 p.m. Pacific. 3 p.m. Eastern if you want to learn more about my work. Absolutely. So go check that out. I'm very
0: uh, intrigued about the astrology of the thong song. Oh, I love it. Um, (laughs) All right. So of course I'll share Alyssa's uh, information on my own website, as I do for all our podcast airings. So you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com. Same with social media at Energetic Principles. Uh, And if you haven't registered for the summit yet, you know, you can do that wherever you listen to this podcast. It will be in the body of the description. You can do that on my website. You can do that uh, through Alyssa's channels. Um, So, you know, get signed up and come see, we're both going to be speaking along with, uh, what maybe 17 more, uh, there are so many fabulous, uh, astrologers that are going to be partaking in this event. So we really do hope you sign up to watch it for free, uh, with 24 hour replays. Um, and then if you feel so inclined, you can get the all access pass, which I think there's still a discount running the $50 off just ended, uh, yesterday before we report this but um i think there is another discount that is at play basically basically discounts happen until summit happens and then it's just full price so if you want to uh <laughs> save a little money um because i know this thing is going to be good uh now's the time to basically do that. Um, So what else do I need to say here? Well, uh, if you like this program, uh, you know, give it a nice review wherever you listen to it because it helps myself and Alyssa be seen further. Uh, Share it with a friend, spread the good word about either either the podcast or the summit or anything that you are taken by with our talk today. Um, And yeah, I'm really looking forward uh, to once again, April 15th through 18th. So Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me on the program. It was a delight to talk to you. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.